it, it, there were the tent blew down one night one of those giant canvas tents I mean, it was not ultralight and you know my dad i was telling my husband so today i remember my dad going god damn it he's like climbing out of the tent get out here and it's I'm like oh my god like what are we doing but it was kind of miserable but not it was so exciting and then when you grow up like that in the outside like that's what we did that the stuff is it, it's just fun for me it's not it, it's just it's life you know sometimes i run to the trails of the mountain run up and down and then i come back home and do like a marathon a soft marathon i would call it but my friends don't think it's so soft but <laughs> no support of any kind no trail magic no hotels basically you carry everything that, except your water from the start to the end for the entire state of washington on the pct hey guys welcome to another episode of the christian ultra podcast I'm just fresh back off the southwest coast path. I uh, finished, I said new fastest known time, uh, beating Damien Hall's record for just uh, over three hours. Uh, the new fastest known time supported by my mother Sharon Mullen is now 10 days, 12 hours and six minutes. And I feel very proud to have set that um, with the teamwork of my mother and support Sharon Mullen. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of news. Um, guys, anyone interested in online run coaching, go ahead and check out my website, www.christianultra.com. Uh, that's Christian spelt with a K. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And I offer online run coaching to anyone interested in tackling any FKTs, going for their first ultra marathon, or even just anyone. I say even just, you know, running a marathon is a massive challenge so anyone interested in that uh coaching just go and check out my website and uh yeah on to today's show and guest today's uh show has uh, a very uh special guest as all my guests are special it's um becky rogers who recently um had to cancel her uh, supported fastest known time attempt on the Pacific Crest Trail to go for a, um, a, a an unsupported attempt on the Washington um, part of the Pacific Crest Trail, which is pretty insane. She had to carry all her stuff for the duration, and it turned out she had to leave the trail due to not having enough um, provisions. But no doubt she'll be back. Um, she's pretty awesome our conversation gets into uh, where she lives uh, the surrounding mountains um, her mentality and approach to um, ultra running and also exactly what happened on her Washington um, section of the uh, Pacific Crest Trail uh, unsupported attempt okay so enjoy the show guys Hey guys, welcome to the Christian Ultra podcast. Today I've got Becky Rogers as a guest and she's here with me now. Um, and uh, I'm just going to let uh, Becky go ahead and introduce herself to you guys. And um, yeah, go ahead, Becky. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm just a mom, an athlete. I also coach. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I live um, across from Seattle in Seabeck, Washington. Uh, what else do you want to know? Well, I do a many, lot of really many, long distance stuff. Like I'm how, kind of big into ultra. <laughs> how many kids you got and how old are they? 
oh, my oldest is 13 and I have four. My youngest is nine. So they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> nine yeah. to 13. I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you so, say, yeah, there's three boys and one girl and they're very young. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, and you say you live over in Seattle. Is that right? I live across from Seattle um, in Seabeck, so but most people know where Seattle is. So I live yeah. across the Sound. Yeah, I, I was actually um, really interested in because I've looked at some of your Instagram photos, and um, it looks like you've just got a really nice playing ground. You know, so uh, just a really nice training area. So uh, maybe talk about where you live and how long you've lived there and how um, you train there and so on. You know, honestly, uh, we moved here, I think it's been six or seven years ago, and my husband was military, so we traveled quite a bit prior to that. We lived a lot of different places, um, and when we finally settled down here, I remember one of the reasons why we decided to buy our house in this particular location was because of the access that we had to the trails that was really planned out. We were um, adamant. At that point, I wasn't doing as much uh, ultra stuff, so because our kids were very little. I think we had three in diapers or something. It was it was pretty intense when we first moved here. Um, but yeah, I have access to the PCT. It's just a couple hours drive over by Seattle. Um, the Olympics are right across. I mean, technically my, I could take a boat across in a few minutes to get over the Olympics. Um, and then I have some local mountains here that are about 10 minutes driving or just a few miles to run. Cause sometimes I run to the trails of the mountain yeah. run up and down and then I come back home and do like a marathon a soft marathon I would call it but my friends don't think it's so soft but <laughs> but yeah I mean it's great I, I have no complaints about it it's just a perfect place for you know me to exist and be able to train within seconds that's it's hard to do as you know like it's if yeah. you have to drive a long ways and you're like eh, I'm gonna have to use a mill or have to run the road and that no. kind of isn't quite the same for us. You know, if you're doing mountain specific work, you really, my opinion is you need to do a lot of mountain training. So no, no, I completely agree. My closest kind of um, trail is something called the North Downs way. And it's a, it's an hour there and an hour back. So that's two hours of sitting on yeah. your butt, you know? So oh, yeah, um, you got to, um, yeah. If you're right in the mix of things, I think that's a great place to start for a mountain. I mean, I, I would, I, I have been known to, you know, I have my yard, I have a pretty big yard, so I have a hill repeat and I've, when my kids were really little, I would just run up and down the hill while they were napping and have the baby monitor and I could literally, I mean, I have video of myself doing it because it was hysterical, but it worked, it, you know, it absolutely worked. It was kind of technical, it's kind of a field. So, or I would run in the ditches along the side of the road, like the Strava segments, people are like, you have all these Strava segments. Like I do back <laughs> in the day. Cause I'm like, I run in the ditch because I'm trying to train for trails and I, for various reasons, can't get up there. So I'm having to try to mimic this by running in the highway ditches. But you know, how did I set a Strava segment doing that? I have no freaking idea. There's nobody running these. I, you know, I'm just totally. I don't even do Strava. So I, I was oblivious to all of huh? So, did what? Yeah. But yeah, you can do what you have to do. I mean, mill mm. training can work too. I'm I'm a big fan of like using what you have. But it's definitely advantageous to be able to get to the trails within five to ten minutes. I mean, if you even if they're minor trails, that makes a huge difference. Also I'm, in your head because there's nothing I'm, like that. I'm completely envious and, and I hope I can come and set my tent up when I come and visit America in your big yard. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Just knock on the door. If I'm here or I'll, you can send me a sat signal. I'll tell you I'm out here. <laughs> I'll give <laughs> you a shout. Yeah. Uh, hey, Becky, I want to uh, backtrack a little bit and um, you're obviously a, a naturally 
um, inclined outdoors kind of athlete. Where did it all begin? If you go back to uh, when you were a little bit younger and maybe talk about that for a bit. Uh, you know, my parents were, they would say they didn't have a lot of money, but what they had was a lot of um, take, take us out. They had a lot of love. So they would always take us camping. And actually the first ultra that I, I would call the first ultra that I did, I think I was 12, but it was a, a portaging canoe ultra up in Canada. So my parents took, they had four kids and I was the eldest that was in the house at the time. because my older brother's a lot older. Um, and they took us out there pretty daring with a bunch of little kids and had us out there doing this like 120 mile circuit. Wow. Um, and so that's really, I mean, it was scary. They're grizzly bears. They were smelling us to the tent. And this is like the days where you had to climb up to put your gear up in the bear caches. So for a child, I had gone camping and hiking a lot, but this was like super intense. I mean, there weren't any cell phones back then because I'm not exactly young. So back when I was little, there was not any of that stuff. There was no bailout per se. Like this was crazy. I mean, it, one time we went up there, we did it a bunch of times. One time I went up there and it rained, I think for seven days straight. It's a glacier lake. So you're out there in the slick canoe, you know, it's just torrential downpours and you, you're going all day just <laughs> canoeing, canoeing. And then you got to carry your canoe over your head because that was before they had the wheels. So yeah. you're learning how to do that. Um, so that was pretty intense. And I just, I loved it. I, yeah. I, I didn't, it, it, there were the tent blew down one night, one of those giant canvas tents. I mean, it was not ultralight. And, you know, my dad, I was telling my husband the other day, I remember my dad going, God damn it. And he's like climbing out of the tent, get out here. And it's oh, and like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? But it was kind of miserable, but not. It was yeah. so exciting. And, the, and when you grow up like that in the outside, like, that's what we did, that the stuff is, it, it, it's just fun for me. It's not. Yeah, it sounds it, it's like just, it's, it's kind life, of you know. ingrained in you. I know Killian yeah. Journey uh, grew up in the mountains, and I don't know if you've heard about what his parents. Um, yeah, I actually read his book a number of years ago. It, it's yeah. fa- and I remember going, "Yeah, that's just great." Uh, yeah, it, it should be that kind of joyful existence. It, yeah. it, it should. I, I I understand that. Like that is. Yes. And just give a brief description of what port canoe portaging is, because we don't do, we haven't got that here in the UK. Um, you know, you hike, you, we weren't ultra light. This is a big family. And, you know, my parents are, we're trying to survive this. I think it's, I think it was about 120 mile circuit. I'll have to look again. And I think if I remember right, and you don't, it takes a few days, of course. Um, but you basically carry your backpacks at that point, the portage involved, bear caches that you would climb ladders up to and then put your gear up because every time you'd have to go back and get more stuff. I mean, with a family the size, you, there were multiple, my sister was so low, she couldn't really carry a bag. So we're carrying her equipment. Um, and you climb up and put very tall with, you know, the trees are covered in these big metal cylinders. So the grizzly bears do not get up in there. Every time you drop your stuff, they got, it's got to go up there. So go back and forth. And then at that point, the first time I did it, we had to carry our canoes over our heads. So we're talking about a few miles between the legs and you did multiple trips and then you canoe for a number of miles to get to the next segment. And so, okay. yeah, it's, it's more kind of like adventure racing, except we weren't racing. We're just, you know, getting it done. So, um, so it's covering lakes and land and then yes. and the portaging is carrying all the equipment and the canoe across land. Yeah, and then when lot, you camp, you, you had to put it up to keep out the way of grizzly. At that point. And now I think that they've, they've uh, put in bare, the last time I went up was I think about a decade ago, this particular circuit and with some friends just for fun. And there are um, 
metal boxes now and you can get wheels for your canoe. And I'm like, what is this? Because it just like that, what, you know? So it's not quite as horrible, I like get horrible physical task as it used to be, but I kind of miss the, the old, I'm like, man, I think we should just do it the old way. Cause it, there was something to something great about that feeling you get when you're done with all that carrying and yeah. oh, like the second trip. Oh my God, how many miles is that? You know, it, it's just so much fun. I know there's some speed records up there. I've been chatting with some people about that. I know there's some amazing records that have been set on this particular circuit. So it's been in the back of my mind for a while. And maybe I'll go up there and do it a little bit faster than the last time I did it, but we'll see. That's, yeah. that's always been kind of sitting there for fun. Yeah, you know, it sounds like you had a wonderful um, childhood and that just stayed with you. And then that um, passion for the outdoors, you just went out and explored it as an adult. Um, when did you actually um, officially complete your first kind of ultra distance? I think it was like five or six years ago. It was I did college soccer and I ran a lot. And so I would run for just for the joy of it for hours and hours a day. And I, I didn't have a watch. So I have no idea yeah. how far I was going. I think I was hitting about 120, 130 miles a week, given how much time I was taking yeah. um, back when I was a freshman in college. I mean, I just was really, that's, I didn't know anything about ultra. Yeah. And was when that was like, like tra trail or were you doing road or combination? Road. I, my, the first year I went to school in Iowa. And so it was largely like, <laughs> back roads or just I was flat I don't know yeah. if you know anything about it but it was really I, I kept trying to run away from the college town but I was in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and I'd run and run and, like, and I had to get you know like it was kind of a joke I had here I go again I'm gonna try to run away and it never <laughs> I was just coming back again but um I didn't know anything about ultra running I wasn't a road runner I'd done some track in high school and mostly soccer I was a collegiate soccer player and I also wrestled so I just got sucked in because of training you know, soccer in, in college, you need to train a certain amount and they document it. And so that, yeah. that training program, like, oh my God, I have to go run six miles a day. Oh, cause there's no ball in play for a field athlete. You got to understand this is like crazy. Like I, why would I do that? So I remember initially it was kind of like that, but then I kind of got sucked in. I started feeling really good and I would just do it to relieve stress or something. I'm not sure what happened. And then I found myself running a tremendous amount because on top of all of what I would call more speed work with soccer, the practice every day that I would oftentimes wake up early and run just because I needed to do that. I felt like I needed to go out and do that. Yeah. I was hitting some stew miles. I never got hurt. I guess I was young. Mm. I was just haphazardly doing it. And that kind of continued through college. There was no, I remember when I became an adult after I had my kids, I felt like I was kind of out of shape as most parents will say, like they kind of get into a rut. And I remember my husband's like, we should start running. I was running quite a bit, but I had no watch. Uh, Cause I tend to not like tech. I'm, yeah, I yeah. kind of like to go. And I think I, I remember right, I bought him a watch for his birthday and I borrowed it to see how far I was going. And I remember, I think the second time I borrowed it, I ran 27 miles because I just wanted to, with nothing, with like a water bottle or something. I didn't even know you were supposed to eat, to be honest with you. And I, I was dying. I'm like, oh, what happened? I thought it was so funny. I'm like, is this the scariest thing that will happen to me? Well, shoot, this is not going to be bad. I'm like, that wasn't bad. I hit a wall and I'm like hardly able to move because I'm totally depleted. And I'm like laughing my ass off i was laughing my ass off on the side of the road like this is insane like but yeah. i didn't die because you know the public thinks one thing about running and i kind of thought that too because it was in soccer and 
So honestly, it was fairly recently, I suppose, but I'm not, I actually suspect that I had run quite a long ways when I was a freshman. I just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was bad to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I go, um, cold water swimming and you get to the point where your hands are freezing and that the fingers are turning white and you know, your body's starting to feel numb, but you don't die. I mean, (laughs) you just get cold, you carry on and you kind of think the fear of it, right? Yeah, that's right. The fear that we all hold it. And then if you kind of let go of that, um, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you're yeah, like, wow, unknown so much, territory. much of what yeah. happens on the long trail, like if you've never gone a certain distance, do you suddenly cross this magical line? At least initially, the first few times you're like waiting for something to happen. <laughs> you know, I think as you know now, like that's not what after a while you're used to it. And you're like, this is cool. But initially you're like, this is the magic point. Does something change when we cross this line? No, nothing happened. Like seriously, it happened. The whole process into it is what where it happens. It's not at the end point, so to speak. I'm just um, checking out and I have been checking out your ultra sign up as well. And I noticed that you kind of, kind of went large <laughs> with um, you, you uh, took the big size with the Moab 240 endurance run with that's a kind of, oh, yeah. that's a big, you know, that's a big chunk of running right there. I, uh, yeah. I remember when that happened, I was just, I remember when they were talking about, it, I think it was like a year before I heard kind of inklings inside of my friends groups about maybe this race going to happen and I was really I'm not much of a desert person honestly it kind of freaked me out at the time and I was like I should do it because it kind of worries me and it's stupidly huge I'm like what on earth I think it was the longest race basically at that point that had ever you know uh, in in the United States and I'm like I'm just gonna do it why not? What if it doesn't happen? I, all I can think of is what if it's a one-time race? What if we never can do it again? Like it kind of, we're not really sure. It was the inaugural year. So I had no idea what the hell I was getting into. Uh, we went into it, just uh, had a couple of crew members with me. We went into it with, let's just try to get it done and not die. Um, that I, no, no competitive, any, the, the, crazy. No, I'm just going to try to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And it was, it was a very big changing experience for me. I learned a hell of a lot. I mean, there were, it was uh, arduous to, for me at the time, but I think it was uh, instrumental in I, well, realizing I mean, that, it, that it didn't matter. Like it, it, there was no dis, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and then you've gone on to complete a 200 miler, like 17, 18 uh, or 17, 18 and also 20, like this year. Is that right? uh last year's 19 Bigfoot. sorry 19. this year everybody yeah. kind of got hosed this year but yeah yeah the, several more bigfoot uh races uh, yeah you know, kind of limited in finances because they're a bit expensive but um well, I, 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 I really i thought about doing the triple crown but it's for expense wise myself and my family it's it's you know and at this point i'm really kind of sucked into the self-supports unsupported well, stuff. I'm like real excited. That's, that's what I used to do. I'm real yeah, back into that again. Yeah, so yeah. no, that's where yeah. I want to go next uh, with this conversation. So, um, Hey Becky, how about you talk about what, um, you recently set out to do, um, what style of attempt it was. Um, yeah, go ahead. So I, the little backstory on this recent run, I, last year I was, well this year I was supposed to be doing the entire Pacific Coast Trail I was attempting on paper what we were my crew and I were going to do was a supported entire PCT run 
which attempting to to go after the the fastest but there is not a female time standing right now for that so i was going to attempt to go for the fastest which would put me at like 51 plus miles a day for 2650 miles so last year i i was able to do i i set out to set the oregon um, FKT from south to north and we hit a blizzard like four to four days four and a half days in so I had to stop but I was hitting 50s so it was a practice run um, for me and we just thought well we'll try the FKT at that point that would have been sufficient enough the way I was going so I did get some experience in this year COVID has kind of caused some major problems for everyone obviously to put it mildly mm -hmm. um, the PCT Association asked us all to not do any through hiking I know some people chose to but I I didn't I felt that that was irresponsible for me to try to post an FKT on that trail when they asked us not to and the Guinness book I'd already applied for all that and they also requested that we fall you know and and I felt that it was just too much strain on the communities at the the California, Washington, Oregon, there was a lot up in the air at the time when I had to make the decision. So in order to preserve the year, because I had already trained up, I talked to a couple of my mentors about what we should do. And I saw Jason Vaughn had posted this crazy, I had not really even thought about it, like who does this unsupported? That means no resupplying except for natural water sources. Yeah no support of any kind no trail magic no hotels basically you carry everything that except your water from the start to the end for the entire state of washington on the pct i remember just glancing so we're, we were trying to find some way for me to use my season that was in line with local politics and just you know respecting communities and not resupplying because that's what they asked us to do yeah and i wanted to do pct work and I'm like oh i can just train on it and that's fine but why don't we try something i really have to push myself and hold myself accountable so i saw that and jason had done that back i think it was in 2012 and it's still standing and it's insane i read about it and i'm friends with him a bit and so i was like dude this is <laughs> can it be done can i do it i only have like a few weeks to really change because because to put it in perspective doing what in a supported run where you don't carry very much weight in my opinion to carrying a 40 pound bag or in my case because i had to add a lot of water because there was a dry area a 43 pound bag is it, like they're own they're different sports yeah one of them you're running and the other one if you start running and within a few hours even me who runs with 100 pound sandbags my joints will eventually just get destroyed so you got to be kind of smart about the way you're using your body it's a different sport like yeah. can can i can I figure out how to do this? Does my body strong enough? So we said, go for it. Let's try it. This is crazy. Um, let's try to work out this problem. Let's see if it can be done. And that's, so that's what I did. I called it hello because it's kind of a wake up call for me because it kind of puts the rest of it next yeah. year's uh, hopefully long trail run. If as long as we're, let me just get there. a couple of um, statistics off you there. So it's the whole state of Washington of the, the, the PCT. Um, yeah. And how far is that? Uh, depending on what what calculation you use, it's about 505, I think. As some people I saw, they posted 512, but I'm okay. not sure where that number came from. Yeah, it's give or take five 500 miles. So you're planning to so you were planning to go out for 500 miles, carrying all your supplies except for food. Right, and that's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. No, yeah, and, and the vertical involved in that yeah. is is quite substantial. I think the Washington PCT is probably per mile. I think it's one of the most vertical. I think it might be actually the most vertical of the PCT. So it's 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 a 
I, I mean, I train there all the time. I love it. There's some pretty technical sections. I think one of the most technical in the whole PCT is there, although it's not at 10,000 feet. Um, it does, uh, we did get up to, I think, 8,000 on the trail a couple times, but it's not, you know, I live at sea level, so that's actually significant enough for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was the plan. I was, and I wanted to make sure that I tried it the way Jason had done, which was the north to south route, which means that you have to hike in a 50K, basically, to start. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that adds quite a bit of load, obviously, because your bag is pretty heavy. Uh, and, and it's not on record. So, you know, it's just part of, part of the whole thing. And it's, in my opinion, that's a more difficult route than the South to North, but I wanted to try to do it that way. Cause it's a challenge, you know, it's, there's a precedent set. Um, and let's see for training purposes and just for the hell of it. I mean, I want to see if it can be done like, and so much can be learned. So that's what I set out to do. And Man, that was a very interesting journey. I don't know what part of it you want to hear about. Well, pretty <laughs> I much all. Yeah. I just honestly, I I carried quite a bit less food than Jason carried because my bag max load was one uh, was forty pounds. I actually overloaded a little bit, and I'm quite a bit smaller than him. So obviously, that's that's you got to take that into consideration. But I can't put as much food as I could in with my very light kit. But I think I carried, he said he carried 29 to the border. So let's say he started with 27. I have no idea how much he ate, but probably 26 yeah. to 27 pounds. And mine was 22, but I also carried a lot of electrolyte and there was about a pound of trash in there because of wrappers that we weighed when I was done. So um, quite a bit less fuel. At and, about, and, and, and let me just check in with you. Is Jason, who, who is this? Jason who? Jason Vaughn. Jason Vaughn. Ross Vaughn, yeah. And and is that Vasan? Is that a um a fastest known time? Has he got that? He has it right now. It's the men's or the overall because there's only one. Yeah, it's the fastest known time from the north to south on the um, unsupported record. Okay, which is I give him complete credit for doing it because I honestly would never have even thought to do this if I hadn't seen that on the FKT board. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I'm clicking on it because we're trying to figure out what I can do, you know, that would use the season and not resupply. And I'm like, that's crazy. I remember talking to Erdina Rook about it. It was one of my um, mentors. Uh, he has like 15 or 14 now get his uh, world records for endurance, like circumventing the globe. I mean, he's in insanely amazing. But I said, do you think that this is smart? Cause we're talking on the, and I'm like, this is, we could, I could do this. What the hell? Like what? Are, of course Jason did that. Cause he just does these crazy things. I'm like, but that is cool. So maybe we should try it. This is quite a wild ride. Like has anybody, what this is nuts. I just remember just, it was like within minutes. I'm like, I'm going to try it. It's totally it's, worth it. I, I just it. I just found it. So he's he's known as Ras. Is that right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I got it here. Like, um, and uh, yeah, thirteen days, fourteen hours, and fifty eight minutes in two thousand. Oh my god! Yeah, it's crazy. He's 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 a cool guy. Ultra Pedestria, I think, is what he goes by. I think he has a website or whatnot. Hey, I was on Team Ultra with him for a few years, so he's 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 a cool guy. Let's, but let's, he does. Let's, he does do crazy things, man. He's he's, that's he's good. a little bit out there. Yeah. We've got to mix with these kind of people so the crazy things become normal stuff, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I totally give him credit. That that really made me. It was inspiring to me. And like, let's try this. This fits into the what's going on this year. It's totally crazy, and um, I can see and personally no fail in doing something so crazy. Like this is not running fifty miles a day. This is not resupplying, which. 
this is something totally cool. And what yeah. I, kind of what I used to do, portaging, carrying my own equipment, a call, you know, throwback to that when I, I really love doing that stuff. So, but this was an extra long distance. I like, this is really nuts. Like I, I don't even have any data to pull except his kind of, but I'm obviously a female athlete and I, I specialize in endurance, uh, as an endurance coach, I specialize in female athletes. And I can tell you there's some differences, obviously, between our training programs and males and loading and all sorts of things. So I was like, this is going to be interesting. Let's, let's, let's go. I'm still stoked about it, actually. Hey, unpack your bag for us. I want to hear what's like in there. Maybe uh, start with the kit and then go into the food. Uh, Okay, well, I I chose to take a tent. Um, I know that that's a lot of people were kind of weird about that but it did rain several nights and I've trained quite a bit on the PCT and I don't I with kids and stuff I I I just didn't want to have to abort um due to hyperthermia or something silly over basically a pound my my tent's super light so a tarp and a bivy I I couldn't really find a combination that was going to help me much more than what I got so yeah yeah, you know and then like I I chose to take a thermal rest uh air pad because of the R value uh, and just sleep quality. I'm really big on recovery. And I, I, I as a over 40 athlete who's been around for a long time in sports without really getting hurt, I can say one of the reasons why is because I emphasize recovery. Yeah. Um, and sleep is the biggest thing. So uh, I weighed the same as a foam pad unless I cut it down to minuscule and like this is dumb. It does take a few more minutes to blow up and it could pop, I suppose, but they're pretty good if you know how to. You know, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Pretty, they're pretty good. So I decided to do that. Um, I had, of course, a medical kit that was pretty small, but it just had some minor medications, which I didn't really need, like, like Tums and things like that in it. Yeah. Luca tape, um, which I did use quite a bit just to fix shoes and stuff, funny enough. Duct tape, which is almost useless as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I take it, I always take it, and I'm like, oh, it never sticks to anything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think I, I put a lot of that on my one of my socials. I actually had the kit laid out so everybody gotcha. could look at it. And yeah. also my equipment. Um, so there was a med kit, not very heavy. What else did I take? Obviously, Obviously a, a, sleeping oh, a sleeping bag. Yeah, I took a nice uh, 20 degree sleeping bag, which is actually got down pretty cool under under 30. Uh, there was definitely ice up in one of the sections I was in. So I was grateful that I had that. Um, dedicated sleep clothes, but actually they became mid layers because it got so cold I needed them. So, you know, uh, like long johns and um, a top exoskin top i had one pair of hiking socks exoskin exotoes that and i also had one to sleep in and i ended up because of the way the trail was and my feet i started getting a little trench footy which i normally don't get but it's because i messed up and i (laughs) should have been rinsing my shoes out as well as my socks this was so stupid of me i finally figured out what was going on and i fixed it I was always wet it was just crazy for the yeah. longest time it was just kept because the underbrush if you've I, I'm not sure how the conditions are there but I think similar to here so yeah. even though there wasn't a lot of water at some to access to drink because it's a fairly dry trail yeah the way that the underbrush works especially this year because the trail maintenance obviously wasn't where it normally is yeah man you just, a gotta, lot of water. you just gotta touch it with your shoes and your shoes are a sponge point, i didn't everything. even take yeah i don't even bother with rain pants because it's yeah. just I, I use a rain kilt it weighs like an ounce that mm. works really good uh you know wear a exoskin dress which is a solid piece, just real minimal. I had a really nice uh, down parka that I mostly would use to sleep in or 
when I was stopping so I wouldn't get cold. Because as, as the, the, the FKT continued, you're losing a lot of body fat, which is normal. Yeah. And I'm not really that big to begin with. So I, I like to just take a nice jacket. It doesn't weigh anything really. Mm. It's, you know, so I'm a sleeping bag. Yeah, I took a nice sleeping bag. Um, gosh, what else? Not a lot. I had like a safety knife basically, which I used to cut cheese off mostly, thankfully. <laughs> um, some track poles. I used, took some really good track poles because my bag was so heavy at the beginning. Yeah. I, I don't like my poles. I don't like the chance that they'll break and I, I don't like them bending much. It's not efficient. So I, I took a little bit heavier track poles than I normally use for running. Yeah. Um, but man, I don't regret that. I had no blisters. These Alpine cork poles. Oh, yeah. that was the best decision. Um, gosh, a sun hat. Yeah. I, not well, not really extensive. It was a pretty, I mean, it, I was cutting tags, I, you know, I, I had yeah, gram counting. Yeah. So, but what? then you're like stupid light. There's this whole thing like. Yeah. You know. There's a, there's a trade off, isn't there? You know, and um, it was supposed to be warm, but then again, I, I remember kind of going, because eh, last time it was supposed to be warm and I was out there last year, it rained for two days straight. I'm like, oh, this is the mountains here up here in Washington are interesting. Um, what about uh, what? So your team Red Ultra, you're sponsored by Ultra, is that right? I was uh, a couple years ago. This last year, I decided to do everything unsponsored. So I chose to not do anything. I am. I walked. I had quite a few sponsors, and I actually left them on purpose. So yeah. because I felt like I needed to. It's it's just something I internally felt like I don't need to do it that way anymore. Right. I, I will. I still wear Ultra shoes and. I'm very honest about like I work with Exoskin on some product development, but I'm not, you know, yeah. I, I would say that, that I, I'm honest about the equipment and I don't yeah. feel like I'm bought yeah. anymore. Yeah. No, I was, you know, and I'm kind of older. I have a job and so I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, I feel well, like I'm kind of free what of all that did stuff. did you now. take in the use in the end? And was it just the one pair? I had my Olympus 3.0s, which are a few years, you know, a, mo a few bit models back, which is the ones I've used for most of my long stuff. Like really kind of the, the 3.5, I haven't tried the fours, the 3.5s, they did something with the heel counter and I yeah. didn't care for them. So I actually went online and last year, because I was supposed to do the long trail this year, I bought 10 to 12 pairs of the Olympus. Yeah. I had already stocked them up. Because yeah. they got, they're going to disappear, right? Like you yeah, get kind of weird yeah. about your shoes. And honestly, <laughs> I've had, I have a bunch of pairs. I hardly ever have to throw them out. I use them for yard work and stuff. I think some of them have seven or eight hundred miles. I never get holes in them. The internals get a little broken down, but I mean, I can walk around them. So I wasn't too worried. I forgot I should have super glued my shoes to start. I just didn't. I remember going. I should do that because I've never gone this kind of intensity with this kind of load continuously on a pair of these shoes they usually do twos and they're totally fine but it's a little bit different i remember thinking i should super glue them all up and then i just forgot i had a tube of super glue with me of course but i think i this pair that i had must have just been weird because it was like a hundred my husband said i i'd send him a, a, a sat message at like 120 saying i was sitting on the side of a cliff sewing together one of the toe boxes because oh, i had some like teflon it was going to get dark and it was easier to take care of than I was worried that if I left it, it was just going to explode and then it was going to be a huge mess to clean up. So like, sit down. I'm trying to figure out how to sew this together. Yeah. And then a few days later, I ended up super gluing a bunch of it because the sides started kind of had them apart. Um, yeah, they were kind be, of a mess. It was, it yeah. was, it was a little bit, I, I regret not taking one more tube of super glue. I needed to, and I probably yeah. should have super glued them all up before I left. So that would be something I would change, but I, and, and the bottoms you, look fine. 
are you an advocate for having that because that's the high cushioning to protect the you know the the feet um for such a for me i i've tried you know i've worn uh, i worked with them for a number of years and i worn up all the uh, all the shoes pr pretty much the kings I, i'm a spartan athlete so i did the elite ways and spartans and i was before ultra was involved even in that so um the kings came along and i wore those and in, in that you know competition and i actually did a 50 in the kings uh, trail 50 out here one year to see how that felt i've you know i i like the minimal wear i i really love their minimal road shoes i train in those most of the time mm. um but i found for the really extensive multi-day events that my feet do a lot better with the padding and yeah. i and like yeah. i i well, bigfoot 200 last year had zero blisters i mean there's pictures on my social of it it's crazy like i the what i was doing the hydration which i've gone through and talked about with the hydration that i've been doing and and the exoskin socks for me work really well just the foot care routine and the shoes that i'm wearing are just all working so well for me as you know like we get we this is our the stuff we we find works you just kind of oh, stay with it so yeah, that's kind of um i haven't ever had broken feet or anything a lot of times the athletes get overused down there and i've been like knocking wood besides stumping my toes really bad sometimes but that that's nothing I mean, they've been treating me well so right, <laughs> stay well, with it they're a bit heavy but yeah go on to the um food because that's a lot of days um i mean were you aiming to kind of uh break that were you aiming for was there a set time that you yes i i was i was kind of i as i said i was maxed out in how much weight i could carry in my bag at that the bag that i was using at the time i've since changed that by the way so we're going to work around that i'm just going to yeah. take more um i i foolishly thought i was like other people and i was going to be maxed at at 100 or at 40 pounds but that's kind of silly but i was trying i just had trouble actualizing that i could do more than that even though in training i, I literally run with 100 pound sandbags i'm a bit odd in that department so i probably should have acknowledged that bit of unicornness but i did not mm -hmm. i went with what i thought was acceptable and i i used a, a z packs a lightweight pack which 40 pounds is actually a lot for a pack i think it's like a 20 ounce pack that's mm -hmm. A really really good max on it but anyway um so i carried the i think it was about 22 pounds of electrolyte which honestly i think almost five pounds was electrolyte which people are critical of but it, that saved my ass i would not change that i had enough of that and that uh so key but um and then a little bit of trash and then the rest was fuel at about 120 calories per ounce so i think we were coming i had 11 days worth of fuel basically uh about two pounds a day and that was segregated in 11 days. Um, so it came out to, I think we 3,600, 3,700 calories a day. Okay. So I knew starting how much I had, it's not my first rodeo, so to speak. So yeah, um, I had some estimated mileage. I figured that I would have to go slower at the beginning and kind of speed up obviously. And I could pull the last 200 as a sprint for someone like me. So I don't have to sleep as much. I know I can go two days without sleep but then I have to sleep. So I, I kind of, but that's terminal burn. So I have, it's a personal thing. I've done so many stupid things to myself. Like I've pushed, tried to push back to past two days of not sleeping in a 200 and that does not go. 
<laughs> so I know exactly like, and we're done now. <laughs> I, I, and it may not be everyone's story, but for me, and I'm like, okay, these are my limits and I need to work inside of them. But the first few days I went out, I, I realized within the first day I was getting a little bit worried because I had actually need to go a bit further, but I just felt that it was, I, I was done. And so I stopped because I, I promised everyone I was going to do it off RPE. I'm not going to do this thing where I'm racing somebody who's not even here. I'm not doing this. I'm going to, I know what I'm, I need to stop today. I'm going to stop now. And I'm going to sleep. What's, what's uh, sorry. Just what's, what's RP, RP? I, uh, you know, perceived effort, Great, essentially. Perceived effort. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm going to use, I'm going to feel my way through this. Cause that's generally, I, I don't like watches. I'm gotcha. kind of weird. I, I do use heart rate training and I do use data, but when I really feel like I'm, I, I do better when I feel my way through a situation once I'm in an event. It, it's, yeah. it's more than just a competition for me. Yeah. I'm there to learn some other things. So I stopped uh, and I, I realized within two days that I was just, I, we had a hopeful timeline, of course, so we have goals and on it, there is no female record. So for me, I just was trying to get it done. Um, and I realized I was behind. I had this 11 days worth of fuel, which I think yeah. actually was possible for me to finish it in 11 if I gauge it right. But I, that's all I could actually put in my bag. So I immediately started kind of not eating as much every day. I, I immediately started pulling out, okay, there's a bar here because it's going to take a, a day or two more. Like, uh, you know, and that's, that's fine. But how am I going to manage this nutrition? And so th that got a little weird because honestly, about two pounds a day for me, that's, that's 2.5 times my resting metabolic rate, uh, the 36, yeah. 3,700, because we had it tested before I left to verify out of curiosity. And that is, and there's some reasoning for eating that amount uh, science-wise. There's some theories about that. So I thought, okay, if I can get done in 11 days, I'm not going to face too much recovery debt. But um, yeah, you know, the, 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 it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. I got... Uh, I think I was about seven days in and I started sending messages to my husband, like, I really am concerned about this food situation. And then I guess my, one of my crew members had messaged cause they were aware of how much food I had. And I'm like, what is she doing? How is she, and there was talk behind my back cause I didn't know they weren't sending it to me. How is she managing this food? She's gotta be getting, what is she doing? <laughs> and I, I actually, I ended up stopping. Um, I had to walk backwards to white pass um, I think the mileage was, it was a little under 400, but I, when I walked back, but I stopped because I was blacking out. Like I had been facing, um, since I think it was Steven's pass. So several days I would just get very dizzy. And I think I was bleed, had nosebleeds and stuff and anemia based issues. Cause I could tell, I, I, that's what I assumed that that was at the time when I was on the trail, because I was there it, it would come and it would go I'm like what is going on and I assuming it was that I was looking at my fuel and like how do I manage this I've never had this problem before but I don't I cannot get any more food you know and I cannot yeah. rest too much more it's not really an FKT or anything and trying to work not be scared of it I remember from Stevens Pass all the way up through White Pass I knew about this happening because it was just getting a little worse every day and a lot of people may have stopped at that point I'm screwed I'm done but I'm like, no, you are not going to stop. You might even make it. You might not need to eat anything for two days. Like you have no idea. We have no idea. Like this is just your, well, we talked about fear, mm. you know, how, how would you hit the 26 mile point? And you're like, did I die? Well, it's one of those things. I'm like, well, unless I become, it becomes medically necessary, I will not stop because it doesn't really hurt. That's not the issue. 
Um, but I get, did have that last morning I kept black I, ca I found myself in a tree at one point and I I'm like hey it was like a, the underbrush of like a pine tree or something and I wake up because it was dark I'd start at like two o'clock in the morning because that was my typical schedule and my lights like me and I'm like what on earth and that happened several times and it fortunately was a very um non-technical section so it was a very safe place to have this happen but i was getting frustrated that i kept looking at my watch and like i'm making no time i'm supposed to be doing a 45 mile day today and i'm like how many hours have been you know i was just like what is happening to me this is becoming really un unsafe um and finally I, I found myself on the ground and digging through my pack trying to manage why i could not even stand up i was so dizzy and like not dehydrated realizing i haven't really eaten anything for like eight hours i went to bed the night before with like a little tiny piece of cheese because mm -hmm. i'd i had been counting the last two nights I'd, I'd actually laid all my food out and on my tent with my headlamp trying to figure out like how i'm going to manage this pacing yeah I'm trying not to freak out like okay i only get that much today it was a little weird it was i, yeah. I it was a little weird but just rewind a little bit what was the food that you were carrying besides the uh five pounds of electrolytes um you know i took a lot of bars like pro bars i don't know what you guys have over in england but um which is kind of a plant-based bar but also rise bars which are whey protein and um nut uh, butter mm -hmm. with honey you know basically i eat a fairly I think it's a 30% protein diet and I carry that into my running and okay, hiking. It yeah. works really well for me. Yeah. So I also use cold soak, but I used it specifically for uh, oatmeal breakfast that has yeah. additive stuff in it uh, that I make, you know, like freeze dried uh, fruit, yeah. whey protein powder, oats and hemp seed for the fat, like a ton of that. So, so I'd eat that in the morning in theory, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and at night I had a mashed potato, like a dehydrated potato, beef, cheese, broccoli, cold soak that I'd eat. It was actually pretty good. You should say I had it all like, yeah. it took, it took a, you know, a little bit of experimenting to decide the way I was going to go with that. Um, and I want to make sure the macros were correct and getting as much nutrition as I could without it being not efficient although the cold soak can be a little pro i found out some issues with that if you're trying to continue moving using a spoon i, I think i would <laughs> it's just a little bit different uh, the bars a, a variety of bars but largely real fatty um you know yeah, and cheese yeah. I, that's the funny part everybody laughed at me but i took like all this cheese and honestly i did not take enough i keep telling everybody i need about two more pounds of cheese to finish that's all, <laughs> that's all. i was oh my god I'll, it literally could have run the whole thing off the cheese but yeah. and next time that's what's happening it's just going in it does <laughs> last forever it's just great um but yeah that's what i was eating okay, and yeah. normally I, in in running i'll do like 120 50 to 300 calories an hour in an ultra that's pretty typical and most athletes will say that there's a spectrum there with the electrolyte or water whatever they use yeah um and that's ideal like man that'd be great because you do burn a ton of calories when you're carrying loads like i was carrying up down hills yeah where, i mean yeah. you do if you run there's some calculations there's a calculator the military the u.s military has for this because of course they would be the ones who know about carries it's a lot of calories so mm. <laughs> it's not like but it's all low end heart rate pretty much and i think i lost i lost about 10 pounds and there was a bet going on and it was only it was not quite the 500 obviously so it would have been a bit more but actually um because we did the dexa i didn't lose as much muscle 
as I thought I was going to. I really, I, I was hoping I wouldn't lose much at all, because, but that was assuming I was going to eat at least 2.5 times my resting metabolic rate. And that didn't happen because it was out there longer than I even had food for. And I actually ended, I still had food, but I made decisions to stop because I was not, I was not proceeding safely. I felt like it was, yeah. I, there was no bailout point that was really easy to access. White Pass is pretty much on that trail. Like then there's logging roads. Maybe you can come get me at 40 miles. We don't know. Might need a chainsaw. And I'm like, I'm just going to walk back. I'm like, this is insane. Like this is not, you know, there's a point. Like if I'm not yeah. able to maintain like my equilibrium right now and I'm talking about needing to just pull up and sleep and eat all the rest of my food and maybe I'll be able to get back up. I'm like, yeah, this is, I think we're done for now. I, I made a miscalculation and I admit to that. So, well, or I just, I didn't carry a big enough bag is what happened. Yeah. But. Yeah. But now also go back again. You said you were starting at 2 a.m. And I know you were going by like RPE, rate of perceived exertion, but mm. how many kind of hours? I know it probably changed each night. Uh, I sended, we were, I was doing a kind of a bit of an experiment. Uh, experiment. Uh, I was taking heart rate variability tests every morning because I work yeah. with Joel Jamerson. He's one of my colleagues. And I was using his device to kind of see what was happening to me for our own data point, but just because I don't know that anybody's ever done this before. So I was, yeah. took his, it's Morpheus is what he has created. He's one of the world leaders in heart rate variability and he's written a textbook chapter on it. And yeah. so he has been um, working with me on all of my FKT projections and efforts and just kind of cool. But I said, I'm going to carry it out there. It's a little ounce of weight but I'm and I'm totally going to take three minutes every morning or sort of morning whatever that is for me to take this reading probably won't be uh necessarily scientific you know I, I may have to have to get up go to the bathroom come back some mornings or something like that but you know we'll do the best we can at least what did he see always said n equals one is better than n equals zero at least we'll have one data point to start with so it's like this is crazy but let's try it so i was doing that every morning and actually that information has been really useful because i i was actually i was changing my sleep cycle a bit it was this is all training for me hello is training for possible which is the long run the, this yeah. is what i call these things so i um like i gotta get as much out of this as we possibly can yeah there's no fail in trying and going and getting it all that's my attitude because like it's all about the next thing it's all about getting better so I was taking those readings and man, I did a lot better. It, I think I spiced, I'm a lion sleep chronotype. It's a genetic thing. So I do, I'm a morning person and I'm an early to bed person genetically. That's, I don't know how much you know about that. That's a whole nother podcast, but um, I found that out and that's really changed the way that I approach FKTs because I do really poorly going through the late night, like 11 o'clock to 2 AM is like my kryptonite. Yeah, I can do that. A couple, I can do that into, you know, hundred miles and stay up if I caffeinate at the right time, but it's really a bad thing to start doing chronically for me. So I, I tend to have a little bit more trouble with technical trails at the end of a cycle. So I've been hiking or running for 15 hours and all of a sudden I'm on a cliff and it's dark and I'm exhausted. That seems to me like, like a bad thing to do. It might be better to sleep and then wake up at 2 a.m. It's still dark, but I'm like, punk, and I'm awake and I'm totally functional. So I played around with it a bit. I hiked a few nights into like the 11 midnight period and then slept into like, because I was trying to get six to seven hours of sleep for a while, um, which was also part of my chronotype. And that's seven is really great. Six I could do, but seven is really great. Mm -hmm. And when I cut underneath that, it starts to become this kind of, you better be off the course in four to five days. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For me, it's yeah. like, yeah, you're going to start getting, there's definitely a um, soft tissue injury rate. Sci the science shows us this as coaches. We can look this up with sleep 
basically if you have poor sleep within 24 hours as a your rate of injury like doubles and i can say that's happened to me before on a course when i decided not to sleep for three days like i got hurt i got cold my quadricep that bigfoot 200 last year which sounds like kind of happened to you i read your yeah your FKT thing. i'm like that's what happened to me and that sucks you can't even bend your knee so it's horrible so yeah. Um, I, having done this to myself and pushed the line to figure out where it was for me, not just in theory, but where it actually is, I'm like, eh, don't get greedy. Take your sleep. Just where to take the sleep. So we played around with a little bit, and I, I started realizing if I went to bed right at like 8 to 9, super early, and wake up at midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning, depending on when I'd gone actually to sleep, set up my tent before I get too messed up making better decisions let no injury i had no injuries like crazy like i was real worried about that because that seems to be you know four days in a boom hospital as this fkts this year i've been seeing that happen left and right and like we're gonna try to avoid doing that at least like oh my gosh like yeah. you know ego can get in the way of what we're doing it could cause you to go to your death and it, you know it, it is that serious so you can start doing things that are just because you want to win and like, okay, but I, I would I also like to run again. So no, I definitely <laughs> uh, back, agree right? with you on the um, early to bed, early to wake. That's just my natural um, okay. disposition. I, I really enjoy uh, and have always enjoyed that, you know, um, getting up early and once you're up, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's the early hours of the morning. And you're just like, oh, I'm better, yeah. you know, and it, it just, I, I did it both ways. A couple nights I was out, walking around and it was trippier than hell because there's nobody out on the pct except people who are trying to set speed records basically in the middle of the night and all of a sudden i see this headlamp coming along a ridge i'm like and then there'd be this young man in comparison to me anyway like a 20 year old like with nothing in his pack like like i normally do but i've got this massive bag I'm like, it happened twice and these guys were like who the hell are you and why are you out here at night who are you like you could see them just going huh because there's you never see anyone else out there no one is moving everybody gets in their tent and go to bed so that was trippy but also at two in the morning if you wake up then you'll still see some of that you, yeah. you know, it's, and I just started, it was a, it was an interesting experiment. I definitely locked into my better yeah. uh, times, but that doesn't mean some people like to burn late in the night and they're totally fine. Yeah. But I, I think, just don't like that yeah. tripping on a cliff sensation. Cause I'm kind of going to, and I just, the, I, I don't want to fall down there. Like this is, you know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean. Like if you're starting to make little mistakes, they could turn into a big problem quickly. If you're just not, if you're just too tired, that's, well, I just, mean, there's, this, there's, this, there's a, a break. yeah, there's a safety issue. You know, there's a certain line between um, adventurous, daring, and kind of outright dangerous. And it's that tightrope yeah. that we all walk, yeah. and uh, and that's what you do as an athlete. And learning where where you're stopping and where you're not, and feeling okay about. I pushed really hard. I pushed all the way. Like I did not sandbag this effort, and being okay with that. Um, but also not pushing to the point where you just go off the cliff, like literally or figuratively, like off the side. Well, like, you don't, they do that in training too. You know, we do that in training. We don't yeah. want to get hurt right yeah. before we get yeah. to the start. That's why I always say it's walking that line, man, learning how to do it. You'll make some mistakes, but hopefully you don't make them by falling off. Yeah. Undershoot a little bit the first few times. I feel like ah, I could have done a little bit more, but this particular effort, I could not have unless I'd taken more food, but I felt pretty good about, um, about it overall. Like I'm like, man, like, 
I, I was pissed off when I stopped. Like there was a bit of a tantrum that I, you know, like, cause I had to walk. It was very defeating because I had to walk backwards to get to an access point. Like, God damn it. And it took a while cause I was not doing well. I ended up pushing my tent in the side of some kind of road or something and passing out. And I mean, the next thing I hear is, mommy, you smell spicy. And my little kids were like coming cause my husband had to drive way you know, hours and hours to come get my ass, like, uh, like in this tent, you know, and then honestly, I was dizzy after, for a week after I stopped, I was having problems, you know, standing up, so it definitely was a, I definitely pushed to the point where I needed to stop, like, there wasn't, after I stopped, I was kind of angry, like, could I just try it and just laid in my tent up there and try to sleep it off, like, you know, kind of, I have a few more bars, I called my husband, I had cell phone signal, and I said, okay, I, I ha I, this is the number of calories I think I had, but I want to make sure I'm with it. So I'm going to read off these items to you. Well, this is our conversation. And I want you to tell me how many calories this is. And I read this off and he goes, is, is that it? Is that what? Like, cause I read off, I've got four pro bars and, and he's like, that's, that's all you have. And there was just this long cause he doesn't like to be, <laughs> And then he goes, well, I, I could probably get in 40 miles from there at this road if I put the kid, four kids in the car and I get a chainsaw. And that, that's, I'm like, you don't think I could, you know, like this conversation got classically funny between the two. I'm like, no, I think he, it says, right crew, about, you know? yeah, I think Becky, it says a lot about your character that you didn't stop at the point where you could be picked up you know what i'm saying you pushed beyond that you had yeah. you had to turn around and come back so clearly that was annoying yeah, to me yeah. i was but i, I, I want like uh and i still i'm like i think i could have made it to that logging road like maybe i could even gone farther because sometimes that happens to me like i just have a bad moment and i'm sure this has happened to you and you're like okay i'm just gonna sit down here and put my feet up for a minute and just and then you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. I like sometimes that happens in events for me or even training. I'm like, it's just learning how to just pace yourself a bit, you know, but I, I had been, I'd been sitting on the side of the trail like this and like, oh, and I realized when I called him, I was digging through my bag and I'm stuffing a, a cliff bar into my mouth. I'm like, I think what ruined, I'm tired of the phone. I said, I think, I think I can work my way out of this. And then I looked and I realized I pulled all my food out and I realized I've eaten like a quarter of the food for the day by eating this bar. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, because it's like, you know, not even close to being, you know, I'm so screwed. I'm like, this is not good. So then we went through the, the fueling because like, I, because I'm like, maybe I could just eat my way out of this. I could usually do that, you know, so positive about it. But I, you well, know, you know, yeah, you, know I think you, you called it at the right time. And also, like you said, it's not a failure. It's a stepping stone towards your got succeeding. Uh, you know, I oh. totally failed on the 500. I fucking failed that one. And I, I knew it. There were pine cones, like, like really annoyed. And as I, I've said to some other people, I was like, God damn it. Now I have to start over. And then I went, how many times have you done that same seven mile run? Sometimes you train on a quarter mile indoor track. No, eighth a mile, excuse me. So that's eight laps per mile. And you've run 15 to 20 miles on that lap, that, that track on training. You do it all the time. So what the fuck? It's like 400 more miles. You just got to go back and start again. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, you get to do this again. You get to do it again. Oh, darn. I'm like, oh, yeah, just grow up. Just get, get your ass back to wherever that was that you saw a car and 
Ugh. like we'll start again we'll start again <laughs> but I, uh, yeah it was a, i had a few seconds of being like like kind of a little tantrum i had to mourn yeah. my loss a bit but yeah oh it's it's devastating it's it's something which uh you know to be able to come back just not from the physical depletion and the energy um draining and the fat loss and a little bit of muscle loss as well but coping and, and overcoming the mental decision to stop that's really probably bigger than everything and and how are you with that now and how are your um plans looking like for your are you still going to go after an f this particular fkt or are you is this training for the, this this one um <laughs> right now we're con i'm contemplating going back up this week but <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah this has been quiet now don't tell anyone um i yeah, don't no, know that i will and, right oh i've got my gear i had to change my gear a bit because october is a way different situation so yeah. and i'm contemplative taught you know we're not everybody's like you should you, eh, be careful like because getting caught in like uh, section k in the snowstorm is a really bad situation if you're not carrying the right equipment um and I, I have this issue with being responsible when I recreate. So I tend to want to make better decisions, so especially, I mean, it's just, you don't want to put people out because they're stupid behavior. So I'm trying to determine if I, I, I may just go back up and train and not do anything mm. publicly with it, but I am really irritated. I need to solve the Rubik's cube for myself on this one. So mm. next year is as long as we can, I would love, I, the, what we're projecting is the long trail for me. So, but, my crew is not available in 2021 to help me. So the um, possible is turned into self-support. So I'll be going after the 60 okay. day, which is more competitive for a female athlete anyway, because a female holds the overall trail. That's Heather held by Anderson. Um, Heather so, Anderson. Heather. So yeah. that is the time that I'm going to be going after next year. Okay. Um, assuming that we are able to do that with, you know, that there aren't, Oregon isn't on fire because that was part of well after I stopped I had discussed going down and doing the Oregon unsupported because that's never been done before and I was like real fixated on trying to get this kind of 500 mile equation solved so I was like maybe I can go down there and do that state and just get that you know I'm going to start north to south and because I played around there last year it's just something fun yeah. um, to do but literally within three days after I said that and everyone's like of course you said that you're crazy the entire state caught on fire. I mean, who, like, how do you even, and then part of the PCT I've been on in Washington caught on fire and then everybody's stuck in their house for two and a half weeks because no one could breathe, literally. So this year, I don't even, it's like, what else is going to happen? It's starting to get uh, crazy. And I, that's why I said to my husband, is, is, is Washington on fire yet? Like, am I able to go? Is the trail open right now? Because that's, that's really been the drama. I definitely have got at least one more weekend of good hiking here before it gets super cold. So we'll do Is something there, at least. If, if you go um, for a self-supported fastest known time on the full Pacific Crest Trail, going after Heather Anderson's record, mm -hmm. are there places you can post yourself resupplies? I mean, there are. It's yes. a silly question. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, it's a different... It's a different beastie, you know? It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, and it, there's more... In some ways, it's it's very difficult because you have to plan your resupplies. Logistically, yeah. logistically have to plan when to pick up your gear. Like I wasn't having to do that because I just had it and like okay, I'm just gonna keep going. But the upon the plus side is you can take trail magic. Um, you can use <laughs> hostels or whatever. Um, yeah. 
you can resupply. Well, that's kind of a big deal. Um, I was to the point like I wasn't even using public water sources, um, no foraging in the unsupported, you're not allowed to forage. Really? Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. You, you can only get, the only thing you can take is water. You can't. Right. Um, and I don't wow. think, I, I, I did not use any public structures um, because I, my understanding of the rule is that you should not do that. So it's on the FKT, um, fastestnotetime.com. They have the current, I assume the community has come up with these rules over time. Yeah, so, okay. and the, you know, you don't go out there to not do that. You have to live with yourself. So there, there was a lot of wild blueberries on the trail when I was out there in August and they smell, people were picking them to probably resell on the side of the road. And I, th that was interesting. Not that you have enough time to do that. So that's the whole thing. But even that, you know, I'm like, this is, you go out there and you're trying to be true to the nature of the event you're doing. I mean, it's, it's somebody I, I talked to it's, said, uh, yeah. you. somebody said, it, well, how would anyone know? It was somebody at the campground. Well, that's that was, not the point. It's, it's and that's what I said. I said, know. I would know. Yeah, it's not and, the point. and I, um, I just want to see if it could be done this way. Like it's, it, it doesn't even matter. Like it wouldn't matter if anybody's watching or not. Like this is the point of the whole freaking thing. Like, yeah. What the hell man. And I know uh, that, I know that, anybody else who does it will they would only be this crazy if they were going to do it the right way so just there's some trust there's some trust inside of the group you know yeah that we, no, if, I, that we're I get in. it I crushed I crossed those um um trust issues when I was doing my own you know uh support. I know how did yeah. that go for you I, it looked crazy you're like I have not been on that trail over there so yeah it's it's pretty tense. nice um but I did I got to at one point I went a mile past the turning and I could have just gone back onto the trail by going left but I ran a mile backwards yeah. you know um yeah, yeah. and and I got to this one ferry crossing and I could have jumped jumped on the ferry but instead i went the 1.6 miles round you had to do before you get on the ferry so right yeah. it was about myself and it didn't really matter what other people thought but i just wanted to hold my integrity so yeah i completely yeah. agree with you yeah it's not what other people think it's yourself you know if you're i'm a process driven athlete so um i really really if it's not obvious really enjoy the process mm. and the final point there really isn't one I, no. until you're dead and yeah. so for me it's like I, don't get me wrong i'm competitive but i'm not running someone else's race yeah. so i'm really grateful for those people that came before me and posted a time because it really i mean it's you're shooting for something that's there i mean thank you so much like that's like it's our community is awesome yeah. It's not like we're going after each other, you know, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, think, you know, I'm going to try to do the best I can. It's really pushing me to be better. Well, when I was out on the south, Southwest Coast path, you know, the, the, the um, previous record holder came out and ran with me and supported yeah, yeah. me. And, you know, I thought, oh, this is, I, I couldn't have done it without him. I mean, you know. I was hoping that, that some people, some women especially, would see what I was trying to do and say, I can do that. And then we'll get somebody else coming up here this next year. I'm not sure I'm going to have time to do another 500 next year because the long trail is going to probably sap me. But um, I'm really hopeful that someone does that because that's the whole freaking point. Yeah. Get out there and do it. Like, come on. I think you can do it. Like, I've been pretty public about how I went about doing it, but I, I don't necessarily think that'll work for everyone, of course. Yeah. But um, I'm hopeful that someone will be like, oh, you know, I can, I can try. I'm going to try to do that. Like, 
Well, I just spoke with Justin Weber today. He was the producer for Made to Be Broken with, you know, Carl Meltzer when he did the Southbound oh, Red, yeah, yeah. Red Bull. And apparently it wasn't in the filming, but um, uh, Carl at the end said, who's next? You know, like, and, and, and that wasn't caught on camera. But the idea is like, OK, it's a record. It's been set, but it's made to be broken. I mean, I, I think that's the, yes, yeah, the title, isn't it? Made to be broken. So it, I uh, think that was the title. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, hey, that's how I feel about it. Well, hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. Um, you've been, you're, you're just like a fire starter, man. You know, you're getting me excited. I want to come to America and get out on the PC. You PCC. should, you should totally come. I, I, well, I will. I actually, I, I think I said in my email, I helped with the setting of the Appalachian Trail with Carol Sabay. He's my friend. And I did 15 days with him. And, and he also set the PCT record, supported as well. I was nothing to do with that. But um, yeah, I went for my own failed attempt last year on the AT. Um, I couldn't come out this year because of COVID. So I did the British longest trail. Yeah. Here. Um, was good with that. And yeah, I'll be out there next year. So if I'm ever in your part of town, I'll, I'll give you a WhatsApp or something and maybe um, come and have a look at what it's like in your neighborhood. I would love to come over there too because I, I want to, I've got some west highland way I, i've got a few things i want to do kind of bucket list stuff not necessarily just just to experience i have no idea about speed but um yeah. just just would love to come out and experience a bunch of shout. you guys no, got some crazy for, stuff so for sure yeah you got to once we can do that me. again you know what like it's yeah. really making that all like oh my god this is gonna be great you know that's the one thing about what's been happening to everybody you really value you value that freedom that you get when you get it yeah yeah it's really hey, special so <laughs> becky do you want to give um a shout out okay so they're not really any sponsors but do you want to shout out like your kids or your husband or do you want to shout out oh i actually i ha had a few people um yeah. out there with me helping support me to you know take pictures initially um dolores was my girlfriend who's on my crew usually for some of this stuff when i can't have a crew she's always there so she's in a lot of my social media but she doesn't really like attention so okay. um hey dolores husband, well yeah, dolores <laughs> um ariel maiden who is one of my girlfriends who took a lot of the pictures that were on my feed actually um just a wonderful person and she was excited to be out there she hadn't done a lot of major backpacking so that was kind of fun to have her out there just it's fun to have a mix um erdin aruk actually came out a bit um and he's been helping me kind of just a different perspective he doesn't do the exact same sport but um he's you can look him up if you're curious about who he is and what he's done and then joel jamerson who's my buddy and he's 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 a, the kind of the tech guy so he a lot of really good like the i'm more of a feeler and he's a thinker and so the combination sometimes he tells me stuff and i'm like oh my god really but are you let's look at the numbers so um really a great help and then of course my 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 family and my kids so yeah of course um exoscan honestly i do work with them but i i wouldn't call it a formal sponsorship i'm more of a like taking their equipment, cutting it up, sewing it back together and saying this works because the dress I wore was actually a combination of some of their remnants and, and their shirts and stuff that my husband and I designed Yeah, because their, their gear is, in my opinion, is their gear is really great. It, it, it's hard to, to get better than what they have for really long efforts where you weeks and weeks. I mean, yeah. you don't, you only need one item. That's, that's the Mecca for me. So, um, but yeah, they, they in particular, I, I would say are awesome. I'd give them a shout out. But okay. other than that, I mean, all the equipment I used, it was all pretty good. I, 
I am changing my backpack. The next time I do a 500 unsupported, I'm going to use a Hyperlite and not a Z-Pack. So, um, but that's just a different, different piece of gear, a little bit better for what I need, a little bit higher max load. And yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that, so that'll make yeah. sense. And where can people, um, if want to like look forward to your next adventure, go ahead and follow you? Um, you know, I'm on, I'm really not on Twitter because I don't like it, but um, (laughs) Instagram and Facebook, I I go under the Phoenix running, which is my trail name that I got a long time ago. So um, uh, that's what I tend to kind of hide behind because I'm kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit odd. So I just use that to kind of like post and then run away of social media because I honestly, I'll post and run, literally post and run and try not to pay too much attention. So if you email me through one of those, I'll eventually get back to you, but it may be a week or two because (laughs) sometimes I'm gone, gone. So no, well, hey, listen, it's been really exciting. I'm looking forward to you getting out there and going for that self-supported you know, uh, Pacific. I am stoked. Yeah, I'm stoked because it's so, so crazy. Excited. I'm like, yeah. I like the fun, you know, laying out all the equipment, getting the boxes. Cause you, that whole thing, it's logistically interesting to oh, me. It's massive. Um, as well. And yeah. then like that yeah. line, like, okay, how far did you go? Like what's going to happen when you cross that line that we were talking about earlier? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's interesting as was the days, the weeks go by, like, and you're yeah. like, it, the one thing I will say before we leave yeah, yeah. Is that the two, two weeks out there was like a quarter of the time as two weeks feels at home to me. And I thought that was interesting. I, I actually felt like I wasn't out there very long, but when I came home, time seemed to just kind of, mm, no, like that, that might time. be a key yeah. to why I feel so energized, even though I'm physically depleted. When I get back, I'm so energized emotionally from being out there. It's, I think that is for me some kind of key to why that's where I want to be. That's the home out there. Yeah. Um, even though I love my family dearly, but I, I'm kind of introverted. So I suppose that I get a little bit of energy from just being alone and just not thinking too much no i get that um and, and a guy you uh, probably obviously mate, i'm pretty sure you'd know of joe mcconaughey string bean he's mm-hmm. um you know he's a source of information in terms of like logistical planning for a supported self-supported attempt he's a he's um, i think he, he just moved out here actually i thought yeah, they just relocated yeah. to seattle to work with andrew so yeah yeah i i heard that somewhere but yeah he's he's a really nice guy i yeah. definitely i should probably talk to everybody about But as everyone else, you know, I mean, he learned, I think, by just getting out there and doing it, just like you're getting out there and doing it. And that's how you learn, isn't it? You just get out there and you do it. I think so. I think so. The best way. And that's the fun part anyway. So some of it is annoying. (laughs) 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 Like, what the hell did I just do? I can't believe I just did that. Like, oh, but um, you learn fast. So. (laughs) Well, hey, Becky, uh, I'm going to say bye to the listeners and bye to you. And um, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you so much. Hey guys, listen, thanks for um, taking time to tune in and listen to my uh, podcast and my interview with uh, Becky Rogers. She's a pretty awesome athlete and I really like the fact that she's not scared at all to step outside of her comfort zone and face um, fears and just get out there and see what happens kind of like using her endurance as like almost an experiment to see what can happen you know it's definitely a sure way to break limitations so um that was an awesome episode with me and becky i really enjoyed the chat 
guys please uh if you like the show go ahead and share it with your friends and also subscribe so uh, the episodes get delivered to you automatically i've always got interesting guests coming on the show next week's going to be quite different i've got um a special guest coming on the show to interview me about my southwest coast path um 630 mile uh, adventure that i just had and um you'll hear all about that so that's quite cool someone's going to interview me um and you guys get to hear my story and what happened and then in the meantime just uh yeah have a great week you know enjoy the rest of your day and um yeah take it easy guys bye bye